0: Hello everyone. I'm Paige Smith with After School, a podcast project from Simon Fraser University's Faculty of Communication, Art, and Technology. After School showcases FCAT alumni in traditional and unconventional career paths across communications, interactive art and technology, contemporary arts, publishing, and digital media. We would like to respectfully acknowledge the Musqueam, Squamish, Swaylatooth, Katsi, Coquitlam, Kakat, Kwantlen, Semiyama, Tawasan peoples, whose unceded traditional territories our three campuses reside. In today's episode of After School, Andrea Azil Galindo of the School of Contemporary Arts speaks with Tin Gamboa, a professional dance artist. Originally from the Philippines, Tin explains how the SFU dance program honed her to be an independent dance artist by reframing formal dance training conventions. Instructors emphasize things such as focusing not on how a dance may look, but instead on how it may feel to perform it, or topics such as the diversity of ways different bodies are able to move. She discusses how this mode of thinking about dance making has helped her post-graduation in her career as a dance artist. I hope you enjoy.
1: Welcome, my name is Andrea and I will be your host. On today's episode, we have Tin Gamboa, a Filipina dance artist. As a member of the diaspora who was born and raised in Manila, Philippines till the age of 18, Tin is mostly interested in mundane gestures and stories as means to explore the realm of effect, identity, and positionality. An advocate for melding body and mind, Tin is currently supplementing embodied understanding and artistic practice with theory and research as a master of fine arts at SFU.
2: The first thing that comes to mind, for some reason, I want to preface what I'm going to say with like, I... Like, the home or the environment that I grew up in, you know, it was quite, I think, in my opinion, it was quite traditional, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and there was a lot of things that I was kind of like, oh, like, not, that's not for me. Like, oh, that's, like, not for the likes of me. Right. I think that was often, and still often is, in my mind, and I have, like, a tally of all the things that mm. I've... I've like been like, oh, that used to be a not for the likes of me thing that now I do. Okay. But so anyway, I remember in grade two I had a friend and she moved to Canada. And Mm -hmm. I was like, oh wow, she's one of those people. She moves to Canada. And one of the things that I was like, not for the likes of me. Interesting. (laughs) And here we are. Here we are. I've been here for ten years. Wow. Um, and I guess, like, my dad, I think, you know, honestly, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for my parents. And my dad really just wanted my sister and I to have, like, an international experience. Mm-hmm. And so they applied for our permanent residency here as a family, all the way when I was, like, in grade six. And it took six years for all of that to go through. Mm-hmm. Moved here. Honestly, didn't really know what I was doing, I think it was really just like, I'm going to move there because I finished high school and like my, my family didn't stay with me here. It was just me. So it was like, this is a good time to move and like go to school there. So I think I was just like enamored by all of the excitement of transit and like, Oh my (laughs) gosh, I want to go somewhere and I can just take the bus. Independence. Yeah. Which is wild that I learned independence here and Mm -hmm. not, where I was born and raised, which is like a whole other thing. But um, for a year, I went to a Catholic college called Corpus Christi, and that's in UBC. And at the time, I was still very Catholic, and I I I no longer am. Um, And then after that year, I was kind of like, I didn't dance at all, mm-hmm. and I was just like, oh, that's that's really strange, didn't feel right. I knew that if I wanted to dance more regularly, I had to put it into my schedule. Right. And we were at that time, people who were finishing their first year at Corpus Christi were at that time where, like, folks were thinking of what school to go to next and, like, where to transfer to. And then I heard about SFU and that you could do a double major mm-hmm. so given that my parents are like quite traditional i was like "Ooh, what if i do a double major in psychology and mm-hmm. dance <laughs> and they were like "You know, it took them a little bit but they they gave in and then mm-hmm. um so honestly i had no idea what the program was like zero clue i just wanted to dance yeah honestly fair enough <gasps> and i think i didn't know what contemporary was mm. until i came here because i grew up doing ballet from like age six until moving here a little bit of like i guess i don't know what you would call it maybe hip-hop <laughs> street games something it was something <laughs> and we listened to some hip-hop music or danced to some hip-hop music so i don't know but <laughs> but mostly ballet so when i came here i was like very much like yeah of course like my breath was so up in my chest and um so i think my the first year was just a lot of like adapting to mm-hmm. a whole new way of existing in my body where that breath then was asked to like move down to my pelvis which was a really wild experience and i know that when i first moved here to to canada like one of the things that really surprised me was realizing that I sounded different because I I grew up watching American TV. Yes. And so I, I I was like you know okay English great cool blah blah blah. <laughs> I moved here and then I'm like oh like I have I sound different and so <laughs> I used a big like conundrum in my mind used to be how do I talk like yeah should I should I say talk or should I say talk like these like little subtle things because if i if i would talk how i want to talk i would hear myself and i'd lose my train of thought because i'm realizing how much i sound different yeah
1: that's so interesting so at
2: my first couple years i would switch back and forth based on how close i was with someone right between like because i i kind of i think more so for the sake of flow
1: right so you came to us to few With no expectations, just attracted because of the double major program. Mm -hmm. How did it go?
2: I freaking loved it. Yeah. My first, I think, I mean, I'm, I think I'm just the kind of person and maybe it goes from like individual thing, but also like cultural Mm -hmm. injection of like being able to adapt. You just want, I just find that, oh, I want to excel wherever I am. I don't know. So that sounds really like, <laughs> funny, but, or like kind of like, like um, I want to excel, whatever I am. I mean, but, everyone
1: should want to excel. Right.
2: <laughs> right. But yeah, so I think it was more so like, if this is a thing, it's real, I have to be able to adapt to it. Mm-hmm. So I came into the program and I was like, whoa, this is wild. Like, what a new way of moving. And like, I, I really loved it. Cunningham was a real struggle, Mm -hmm. but like, I don't know, just being able to find new techniques inside the body is like pretty neat. And I think it was in the, it's in the dance program that like, I found my community and like my friends.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think that the dance program celebrates the different ways of moving too. This is the way you move and you're trying to improve yourself in regards to your own movement. And not only are you trying to improve but you're trying to discover yourself. But I'm assuming that SFU helped you a great deal in figuring out what you wanted to do.
2: Yeah, yeah, it did. I mean, I think I did have a sense of like what I want, even though it mm-hmm. wasn't specific. I had like a an overall idea of like what I would like and how I would maybe like how I'd like to live like mm-hmm. with what kind of practices or values or whatever. And yeah, I think what I like about the SFU program is that, you know, not just in terms of like appreciating each person's way of moving, like in addition to that, also just like how each person wants to approach their art form or their arts practice. I loved that. I I didn't even realize it at the time, but they were like honing us to be um, our own sort of, like, independent artist version of ourselves.
1: Was there a specific, like,
2: moment or project that you worked on that
1: maybe, like, shifted the way that you saw yourself as an artist?
2: Oh, man. (laughs) I mean, so many come to mind. One is with Cunningham. Um, Megan Walker-Straight do my mind. (laughs) Because at first, I was just like, what the heck? I was Mm -hmm. like, what is the shape? And how, my question was like, how do I do it? Yeah. And, like, what is right and i would hear her you know be like yes good job to somebody and i'm like what did they do like <laughs> how did they do it what did they do how can i do that and then we had a mid-semester meeting and megan was like she gave me like three little things to focus on each week or each couple of weeks or something like that mm-hmm. and then she also was like stop thinking about how it looks and think about how it feels and for me first year coming into this program like ballet background like that was really profound yeah i mean i think it still is (laughs) like i think so (laughs) so i think that's one another one was um taking all the composition stuff and improvisation stuff um i think those were like incrementally changing Mm -hmm. the way that i i don't know it like changed the trajectory of my of what my practice is i think um because i i find like in what i do now i very much incorporate like real-time composition or like viewpoints and stuff like that and then in terms of a specific project within the school i used to think oh yes i'm i'm only like i often just want to dance for people so i would dance for a bunch of students in their in their own works and stuff mm-hmm. like that and i used to wonder like how do how do those few like folks over there who manage to keep making things, like, how do they do that? And I used to think, oh not for the likes of me. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not one of those people. Right. But then I did a directed studies with Rob and it was gonna be a at first I was like, ooh, it'll be a performance piece and to research I took footage while I was in Zambia and I took footage while I was here mm-hmm. just of like people's hands and feet. And that initially was meant to be just like sort of a research kind of a thing. But it ended up being the piece. It was a dance, a movement film. And I think from then, I don't know, I kind of fell in love a little bit with movement on film. I think I made another another dance film after that that was, you know, more like rogue guerrilla style. <laughs> um, asked a few dancers from the program at the time and then... We just like filmed it in Robson Square, got to share that. And also the first film at two different festival of recorded movement mm-hmm. seasons. And then the third one was also quite guerrilla style. My, <laughs> my partner, who's now my husband, we, it was sort of commissioned for Vines Festival. Mm-hmm. And it was going to be live. So this is always the thing. It's always going to be live. But then something happens and it's like, oh, it'll be a film.
1: Yeah, I and- <laughs> feel like that's what happened this past couple of years right? <laughs> with the pandemic. It's going to be like, just kidding. We're going to film it and <laughs> we're going to um, stream it. Here you go. <laughs>
2: yeah, and it turned out to be really fun. Like, it involved soil. So we found Free Soil on Facebook Marketplace. Um, my partner's name is Forrest, and he, he like, buried me in it and then filmed me coming out of it. hmm which is a pretty wild experience to be buried, and he was like, he was he was laughing while he was burying me because he was like, oh, my workmates will ask me, hey, how was your day yesterday? <laughs> oh, you know, I just buried my <laughs> girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> and then the fourth dance film was like, that one was a a big one, and I I share this even though it was outside the program because I think it was within the same trajectory of, of that course. first film, and that one was through an early career development grant. And I was able to take dollars. Like, I was able to take this grant, go to the Philippines, hire 10 dance artists, like, three um, videographers. I took someone who was in the program with me and she did all of my admin. And it was amazing because that grant, like, it's it's just wild to take dollars back to where you're from. Mm-hmm. And to, like, distribute that wealth. Of course. <laughs> Um, because in Pesos, it's like, holy shit, you know? Um, so I think that one was also like the biggest boom um, of of an experience for myself to realize, I don't know, so many things. <laughs> one of which was like, wow, how how amazing does it feel to have such a good relationship with your cast and with like all the folks involved and everyone felt so good and it was such a it was like 10 other women like filipino women and on top of it everyone got paid really well that's so nice it's like what an ideal situation
1: did you know that you're cast before you cast them so they were brand no. new people
2: i held auditions oh uh,
1: <laughs> do you feel like you're a celebrity coming back with like <laughs> money just like
2: auditions and here's a project that pays really well it was like, let's have an audition. And at the end of it, when everyone left, I was like, I think everyone's in. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And now you're
1: back at SFU and doing NMFA. Yeah. How's I, that? Uh,
2: so it was a pretty wild ride, like leading up to here. Um I feel like the prefaces are so important. You know? Mm-hmm. Um so prior to the program. What, first, first off, when I finished my undergrad, I was like, well, "That's it. I'm <laughs> never coming back to school. I'm done. Yes, wonderful." Yeah. Um, and then you know, was trying to figure out like, how does it feel to like, what is what 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 is it like to be working outside of school? And one of the hardest things was trying to even like answer the question, "What do you do?" So mm. <laughs> at the time, I'd just be like, "Oh, nothing." I work at Boys and Girls Club and I also work at Prudie's, and I, uh, I also teach little kids dance in this daycare and, and I, I, I also am working on a dance film and I, I, I dance for some other people sometimes. I just didn't know like what is, what is the main meat of what I do and how mm-hmm. do I say that to people. You're not always working. You're not always doing
1: what you want to do. So you have to like pick up another little jobs as well. Yeah. And then you don't know how to identify, I guess, until you really have it. Yeah. Final question. It's all about decolonization, Mm. which is such a big topic in the arts right now. And I know that you did a talk um, at the beginning of this semester Mm. about reorientation Mm -hmm. that SFU put on. um, And you were in a panel with other artists and talking with Henry Daniel. Was there anything that you think or you feel that we need to keep in mind to move forward or something that happened during your time as a few that you would like to see moving forward i know it's a big question
2: but Mm -hmm. i think a big chunk of it is like the relationships Mm -hmm. um uh like a place for decolonization you know people were asking at reorientation day you know like oh so as this or as this like what can i what can we do I mm-hmm. think someone said as a first-year student like what can we do mm-hmm. like that's such a hard question and I I am not going to pretend like I have the answers at all but mm-hmm. I think I, I do like recognize that the classroom in itself is like such a a space for so much to happen yeah. like whether it be sitting in a class with a with like having read something that the professor handed out to everyone and everyone's read it and you're all talking about it and you're all discussing it um just from where each person is at like I think that in itself and also just like the way that we relate to each other whether in the classroom whether in the hallways like I don't know I mean that that sounds like <laughs> such a I don't know not a very smart answer but I, I think that just in the way that we relate to each other we practice certain like ways of interacting everyone's doing so much work to be able to identify themselves and Mm -hmm. be and like and have a certain kind of self-awareness such that they know what they're bringing to a conversation to an interaction i think yeah i think that that's like a part of for sure Decolonizing. um and of course it's hard because it's a lot of like individual action coming up against certain things that are so large like an institution but there's writings on this thing called like the undercommon. this is how i understand it um is you know there's like there's the institution and there are some individuals in the world who are like oh fuck fuck the system and uh, you know understandably so super valid Mm -hmm. like fuck the system fuck capitalism fuck politics fuck it all like i'm gonna go and like live outside of this system and just live like very remotely so there's like if i'm situating this conversation within like those two this like group and in like living within an institution or within a sort of general national common myth of of living because if you read Sapiens, like in chapter three, they talk about how if, you, if you're if you about 50 people, gossip is like the way to communicate. Mm-hmm. But when you move past 150 people, gossip and things like that, like it just doesn't function the way it can with a smaller group. Mm-hmm. At that point, there needs to be shared common myth, shared legal fiction. There's this like big group that's existing within these common myths in this legal fiction versus... This, like, one person who's decided to leave. But then the undercommons, it's not, it's neither where that individual is, neither is it exactly within the general public that lives in the legal fiction, common myth world, but they are below that, mm-hmm. working sort of within it and below it. And then they, like, emerge. I feel like those interactions, the act of, like, learning how to identify oneself and like position oneself, having all those interactions and having those practices, like I think despite the fact that it's up against these like larger things that are so strong in place that they can still like emerge mm-hmm. through. That was a pretty smart answer.
3: Thanks.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was awesome. And I know that you were – saying that you didn't have the answer and that's totally fair because if we had the answer we wouldn't be where we are right now we're all collectively trying to find the answer but i totally i totally agree with what you just said especially with first years coming in so going into like the contemporary arts and just being self-aware of what's going on Mm -hmm. and what's around them and i think not only being self-aware of our identities but also being understanding of others and like knowing that sometimes you you might not be right, even though you believe mm. you're right, like in accepting that others may have more knowledge than you do on certain things and just mm. willing to understand and willing to learn from others. So that we're all like collectively a consistently learning community. Right. And accepting community.
3: Yeah. That's lovely.
2: And mm. like just going back to what we were talking about earlier, about um Like experiences of like adopting new techniques. Mm -hmm. What you were saying just now about like being able to adapt and being able to like listen and be willing to be proven wrong. Um, Adopting new techniques and adopting new ways of moving like that in itself is an embodied version of literally, I guess, like opening up your senses or your way of thinking to something that's different than Mm -hmm. your usual. In my last paper that I wrote, I was trying to, I still am like (sighs) trying to understand sort of like how to approach these questions from the angle of gesture. Mm -hmm. And like, if you look at a gesture and like the gesture that you're left with, you know, certain things along the line of like the evolution of that gesture certain things will get lost Mm
3: -hmm.
2: and maybe you won't understand like how that gesture came to be, but there is some kind of a, maybe not linear, but there is some kind of a thread Mm -hmm. that connects it. Um, So I don't know, like I'm really curious about, you know, gestures that do help to identify who you are whether it's like who you are in relation to your culture or just like who you are in terms of your habits. Um, and it's interesting to think about like the way that those things can change, but like gestures. And I think within the dance program, I think that's like quite fascinating. Like we work, we work within gestures and we, and we work within movement and like we we are each responsible for what gestures we do and what Mm -hmm. gestures we promote. Whether it even be like um, altering one's gestures to suit the dominant culture Mm -hmm. versus like maybe doing something that is, I don't know, making space for your own culture. Were you able to make space for your own
1: culture within Mm. the program? Or do you feel like that was completely lost and you just adapted to the
2: Canadian culture? i think i don't think it was like a one or all Mm -hmm. but i think at that phase of my life Mm -hmm. i was just very consumed with the ability to adapt Mm -hmm. um which is i think in hindsight fine it was kind of like (laughs) sorry i'm gonna like go on a tiny tiny tangent go for it just like I went on the, like, if you do Vipassana meditation retreats, they're like a 10-day long, silent meditation retreat. And then in the evenings, you have, like, these little lectures. And in one of those lectures, the the guy who's in the recording, who's the teacher, um, was talking about how, like, in that practice, people are meant to, for those 10 days, not practice their religion, not practice, like not take any of their usual medication. Um, Yeah, and like are are not supposed to speak to each other, not supposed to look at anyone else in the the space, kind of a thing. Um, And then he talks about how like, I mean, if you're on a boat, like you can't have your other foot on another boat. So he was like, you have to have both feet on the same boat. And just like, so what he was asking people to do during those 10 days was to just like fully give it a try. Mm -hmm. And I think I see that phase in my life as like, whether it was on purpose or not, or like intentional or not, um, I probably wasn't aware, but in hindsight, it was me like putting both feet into this other like way of moving. Um, And so, and at that time too, I think I was so encapsulated with, wanting to fit in Mm
3: -hmm.
2: that at that time, I don't think I made much room for, for my culture other than those tiny gestures. You know, like I think I was, I don't like this term, but Mm -hmm. it was used a lot when I first moved here. That was very much like fresh off the boat, you know? Yeah. So I think those things were, those little things were the ways that I, um, made room for my culture there was no other option going back to that idea of like gesture and its ability to change but also its ability to remain it's it's really interesting to like think about once we were once we just whether it's that we decided or someone decided or or the situation was such that we had to pluck ourselves from our like original homes. When you take that that body and you take that gesture out of that original place. Like those gestures will shift. The way that we speak will shift. The way that we view things will shift. I don't know, these days I'm really curious about like the authenticity of like self expression and self identification mm-hmm. versus maybe not so much versus but like in relation to cult like overall cultural representation which kind of i don't know when when we think of these ideas of like but i want you to see me as filipino Mm -hmm. but also i don't want you to just like peg me into this like stereotype and that's all you see i also want you to see like this like human who who's like who has the skills to step out of her habits um i don't know But it's it's just so interesting because Mm -hmm. at the same time, like when I see someone who's Filipino and they move like me or even like a little gesture, like you feel so at home or like you feel that sense of belonging. So it's it's just such an interesting dance between like the authenticity of one's self expression, but also at the same time this like larger like cultural thing, representation that you connect with. I don't know, complex stuff. So
1: complex. And then where we come into the space to dance and all of these complex thoughts just have to go out the window, or they don't. And then they inform that dance that day and then yeah, just learn a little bit more about yourself.
2: But one thing that I just want to add is, like, it, it would be great if, like, I guess I'll speak for myself versus, like, everyone, but... It would be really great for me to understand and to really like embody this understanding that sometimes i think i i seek for quote unquote correct you know it's like am i filipino enough is my Filipineness correct enough Mm -hmm. you know but and that goes back again to this like self-expression cultural representation because we have our responsibility to refer like to make sure that we're not misrepresenting mm-hmm. a larger group, but also that we are at the same time still representing ourselves. Um But I think one of my realizations in attempting to write that paper <laughs> was like oh like maybe it's not so much about a a being correct, but rather like being able to just like situate the self and such sit- and and understand the context and and be like transparent and forthright mm-hmm. about it such a conversation that nobody ever talks about or like nobody ever
1: used to and so i feel like we all have individually these repressed thoughts or maybe not repressed but we've always had them in the back of our heads and now that it's being talked about now we're getting into like how can we make our thoughts
2: articulate to other people this was just nice to Speak with somebody else who, you know, has has like your own, ver- like, your own experience. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's always cool to like interact with people within these like acknowledgments of like sameness and and difference, mm-hmm. um, within the place and the context that we do live. So I think that's that's nice. Thank
1: you. Thank you for coming and thank you for having this conversation with me. You can follow the SFU Contemporary Arts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you would like to sign up for our newsletter, you can go to contact us on the sfu.ca slash SCA website. If you're an alumni creating work, please visit the new submission form on the SCA website to let us know what you're up to. Once again, my name is Andrea, your host for Curtain
0: Call. After School is a podcast project from Simon Fraser University's Faculty of Communication, Art, and Technology. This has been our conversation with Tin Gamboa, hosted by Andrea Izil Galindo. The After School podcast is created by Tessa Arsenault, Emma Keeler Duga, Stacey Copland, myself, Paige Smith, and each of our student hosts. Next time on After School, we'll be hosting a conversation with Sarah Milosevic, a special effects compositor who graduated from SFU's School of Interactive Art and Design. Make sure you subscribe to After School on your podcasting app of choice so you don't miss this great conversation. See you next time!